This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, DoorDash, connecting you to all your favorite restaurants in your city. Download the DoorDash app and enter code CHILL, C-H-I-L-L, to receive $5 off your first order. Let dinner come to you. Two unexpected guests, two long-kept secrets, and a gunshot in the dark. The mysteries of the summer of 1862 at Bertrand Manor are revealed through multiple characters and time periods. Her real name, no one remembers. The truth about that summer, no one else knows. In this episode, we will discuss the special ones, a soldier, a schoolgirl, a widow, and a little lad. Then, main quotes that stuck out to be very crucial, but most importantly, the theories and the truth of the summer of 1862 at Birchwood Manor. The Clockmaker's Daughter by Kate Morton is a story of a family's narrative untangled over generations with the help of a captured light. The lengthy unfolding of events makes their final reveal so satisfying by tying up every loose end and seemingly unimportant detail. The synopsis states that in the summer of 1862, a group of young artists led by the charismatic and talented Edward Radcliffe descends upon Birchwood Manor on the banks of the Upper Thames. Their plan? To spend a secluded summer month in a haze of inspiration and creativity. But by the time their stay is over, one woman has been shot dead while another has disappeared. A priceless heirloom is missing, and Edward Radcliffe's life is in ruins. Hello, I'm Jessica Prevost, and this is A Chill Up the Spine, a novel breakdown podcast for the newest mysterious, criminal, and thrilling reads. The Special Ones Do you ever feel as if you're on the outside looking in, the only one to know the entire story but can't say anything? This is how Bertie Bell feels as she is a trapped spirit at Birchwood Manor, watching everyone try to solve a puzzle she already has a clear picture of. She discovers she can speak to certain visitors to pass down the truth. Bertie calls these individuals the special ones. A soldier, Leonard Gilbert, poor, sad, shouting in the night. Juliet, a widow whose angry weeping falls between the floorboards. A lonely schoolgirl, Ada Lovegrove, who just wanted to go home, and Tip, the solemn little lad who sought to mend his mother's heart. Leonard Gilbert served in the Great War where he lost his brother Tom. He is racked with guilt but tries to get back to his research of Edward Radcliffe he began years prior. To further his studies, he lives at Bertrand Manor, a part of the Art Historians Association with the University of York. During his stay, Leo is visited in his dreams by Bertie and he falls in love with her. Leo meets Lucy Radcliffe, Edward's sister, who gives him a lot of information for his investigation that he eventually turns into a novel. Next is Juliet. She has three children, Beatrice, Freddie, and Tip, with her husband, Alan. When World War II started, Alan became a soldier, leaving his family in London. When their home was bombed, Juliet moved them to an isolated village she visited years earlier from her honeymoon. They moved to Birchwood Manor for refuge and protection. She wrote weekly articles for the London paper titled Letters from the Laneway. At one point, she saw a light coming from the attic without having switches on, but didn't think much of it. Her son, Tip, on the other hand, communicates easily with Bertie and tells his mom about his friend she assumes is just imaginary. One evening, Ada Lovegrove visits for dinner and recognizes the spirit Tip talks about. When Ada was little, she was left at Lucy Radcliffe's school for young ladies at Birchwood Manor. She was alone and homesick. Bertie would speak with her, informing Ada about secret compartments in the wall she could escape to. One summer day, Ada fell into the river while canoeing, but was saved by reaching out for a blue gem. Later, she discovers this is the Radcliffe Blue, a precious family stone that Lucy asks her to keep safe. 
Years later, she passes it down to Tib, who will later give it to his niece Elodie when her mom dies. The special ones are unforgettable for Bertie, the children especially because they were more perceptive and hadn't learned not to see. Corner Folding Quotes While reading the novel, there were certain passages that stood out and I thought they would be important and interesting to look back on after finishing the book. To remind myself, I would fold the bottom corner of the page. Rereading the quotes, I noticed I found crucial plot points and a theme. I was frequented by the balancing of light and dark. All was light, but it did not last for long, for there would be no story to tell if the warmth had lasted. And, without darkness, one would never notice the stars. These two quotes bring up the idea that there can't always be light because the dark gives perspective and meaning to it. It's proven Edward strongly believed in symbolism of light. On his gravestone, it reads, Here lieth one who sought truth and light and saw beauty in all things. In his childhood, he was protected by the light. He fled through the trees and fields, the light in the attic calling to him. When Edward spots an engraving above a door in Bertrand Manor, he decides the house was meant for him. It says, Truth, Beauty, Light. The novel seems to use the interplay of light and dark, with the two final lines being, I am the light in the window that you know cannot be there. I am the stars in the dark when you feel yourself alone. There were also other quotes that I found were interesting and shocking. On page 113, Elodie and Pippa discover the name of the mysterious woman. Radcliffe's lover? She used a false name to model. Says here she was known as Lily Millington. This is a big connection necessary to the plot. Next, the names of everyone present during the murder were revealed. Lily Millington there amongst the others. Thurston Holmes, Felix and Adele Bernard, Francis Brown, Edward Clare, and Lucy Radcliffe. This is huge for understanding what went down that summer. In the next quote, Leonard receives a lot of information when he's interviewed by Lucy. He realizes that it wasn't the death of Francis Brown that broke Edward's heart, but it was the loss of Lily. Lucy's final advice to Leo was, The truth depends on who it is that's telling the story. I found that that passage was a great illustration for the novel, having many different stories and points of view. And lastly, I found two large plot twists. The first one being Ada still being alive. Maya Hawkins fell into the river too. She did not fare as well as you. The other large plot twist was that Francis's family covered up the truth of the murder. Her legacy should not have been torn by a broken engagement and certainly not another woman in Edward's personal life. Mr. Brown had managed to cut my page from history books. Each of these quotes did turn out to be very significant and folding the corners was a very useful way to be able to look back on the book. Who done it? This mystery entangles romance, heroes, villains, dark woods, a river, and even a fairy queen. A classic whodunit with many twists and secrecy. For many years, the truth was covered with lies. The widely believed theory was that Edward's model and mistress under the name Lily Millington was only getting close to him to steal the Radcliffe blue. She gained his trust and got the access she needed. But when Fanny intruded, Lily killed her and stole the gem, escaping to America. Proof of this theory came from Fanny's family protecting their reputation by eliminating any evidence of disloyalty towards them. A fact that would support this case was that Lily came from no family and was adopted to be a pickpocketer, often lying and stealing from others. People like Leonard, Elodie, and especially Edward had a difficult time believing this theory. From the points of view of Lucy Radcliffe and Lily Millington herself, readers discover the truth. 
In the summer of 1862, a group mainly consisting of artists and their models planned to spend four weeks at Birchwood Manor for isolation and inspiration to work. The guests were Edward, Claire, and Lucy Radcliffe, Thurston Holmes, Felix and Adele Bernard, and Lily Millington, along with a maid named Emma Steerns. Lily Millington and Edward were secretly married days prior and were going to depart for the U.S. and use the Radcliffe Blue to pay for their needs. Soon their plan would begin, but only after spending a few weeks with their friends. A few days after their arrival at the house, Edward and Thurston had a fight about Edward bringing his fiancée Fanny so that he could have Lily for himself. To put his plan in action, Thurston sends a letter to Fanny informing her of their whereabouts. Days later, Francis Brown arrives and requests to be in Felix's photograph along with Claire and Lily, taking Lucy's place. Lucy is upset and returns to the house while the others take the photo in the forest. She discovers two tickets to America for August 1st, along with the Radcliffe Blue, hidden in Edward's studio. Lily follows Lucy to tell her she can take her place in the picture while Lucy puts the gem in her pocket. Martin, Lily's adopted brother, shows up and he plans to return Lily home, but Lucy hits him in the head with Thurston's rifle. The women flee to the hidden compartments in the house that Lucy discovered were meant for the priests hiding during the 16th century. Lily hides in the floorboards that can't be opened from the inside, while Lucy goes into the walls. They hear a gunshot, Martin shooting Francis Brown. Lucy passes out, and Martin flees with the tickets. When police arrived, they find Lucy hidden, but not Lily. Sadly, Lily suffocates in the floors without anyone's knowledge, considering Lucy, the only one who knew, had a concussion and couldn't remember much from that day, including that she still had the gem all along. With a few unreliable witnesses involved in a complex situation, it is clear why the investigators got the story all wrong. The Clockmaker's Daughter by Kate Morton is an excellent murder mystery novel for whoever has the patience for an additional 150 years of plot for everything to make sense. Overall, the book is very complex using six different points of view over generations, making reading pages 100 to 400 seem surely pointless, but the last 82 pages satisfyingly wraps up and clarifies everything. The biggest unanswered question left would be, who is the Clockmaker's Daughter? Although the book isn't about clocks at all, it is very much about the concept of time. Albertine Bertie Bell's father was a clockmaker, making her the perfect main character to narrate most of the story that takes place during multiple decades. This has been Jessica Prevost and A Chill Up the Spine, the novel breakdown podcast for the newest mysterious criminal and thrilling reads. episode is sponsored by DoorDash, connecting you to all your favorite restaurants in the city. Download the DoorDash app and enter code CHILL, C-H-I-L-L, to receive $5 off your first order. Let dinner come to you.